Welcome to the Teachers Unify podcast. I'm Sarah Lerner. On today's episode, we will feature a follow-up interview with Buffalo News reporter and my cousin, Ed Dranch, as he shares what life is like in Buffalo a year and a half after TOPS, how his reporting has changed, and what his hopes are for the future. We are back with Ed Ranch as a follow-up to an interview that we did close to a year and a half ago, since the show has taken a bit of a, <laughs> a hiatus. Um, so I wanted to first congratulate you on getting married recently and how exciting that is. How Thank is you. marriage life? It's good. You know, they say the first year is the biggest struggle, but we've been together for almost six, so everything's been perfect. And your wedding was beautiful. It was the talk of the town. So Thank you. you're welcome. I wanted to find out how everything is going in Buffalo, you know, not just in terms of tops, but in general, how are things up there? You know, it's it's interesting because since tops, we've had a lot of significant events happen that affected many people. And what we've learned and discovered from TOPS and ever since is that there is such a disparity in our community when it comes to access, when it comes to community initiative, and when it comes to funding. The governor pledging $50 million to the east side of Buffalo. There is a memorial being built, but the question is, where is this money coming from and who's funding it? But then there's also the reality of what's happening on the ground. And there is still so much to be done in this one community, again, in terms of access, in terms of affordability, in terms of building generational wealth, all of these things that a lot of people perhaps didn't think of until a white supremacist came to town and shot and killed 10 Black people. Yeah. How has your reporting changed, if at all, since covering what I hope is your only local mass shooting. But how has your reporting changed since then? As a reporter, I think we have to really build a sense of empathy. And I think that we've been building toward that goal for a while now. But what happened on May 14th really made that a reality. The trauma-informed reporting is so important nowadays. And it's not just going into a community that perhaps you've never been in before and saying, tell me what happened here. It's understanding the community. It's understanding the root of their trauma. It's understanding trauma, period. So I think that's one thing that's changed my reporting. The other thing that's changed my reporting is the drive to educate. And what do I mean by that? There are so many people within our community who simply don't understand what Black people go through on a daily basis, what minorities go through on a daily basis. And in the days after my reporting... Initially, about what happened at Tops, I met this man who told me point blank that I have no idea what it's like to be in an elevator with somebody, with a woman, and watch that woman clutch her purse because she's in the elevator with a black man, or being followed through a store just because they're black. That racial profiling, I will never understand that, is what he told me. So I made it my mission in the first year after that happened to really understand 
and to really do the work, as they say, to find the people to help not only me, but my community understand the plight of Black people within our Western New York region. Because it's a reality in Western New York that people have been talking about for a long time, but it wasn't really brought to the surface until May 14th. So that was within the first year. And we did a lot of honest and real conversations. We spoke to a lot of people trying to find out what they go through and what their mentality is um, and what they want to see changed. But now in this year and a half post May 14th, it's also about finding the people who are making the change and the people who are on the ground doing the work to make sure that they leave the community a better place. So I met this woman, her name is Trinetta. She's a nurse at one of our local community health centers. And you don't see this woman if you're not in her community. And that's a really interesting point because you have to, she sees the people, the people see her, but if you are living outside of the east side of Buffalo, chances are you don't know who she is, which says a lot. That said, she's helping people, connecting them with services, connecting them with resources and helping them work through the trauma of May 14th, now a year and a half later. She's an amazing woman who's got an amazing story, who was helped by the community and now is helping the community that helped her. That's wonderful. In sharing these stories, in you know, giving, amplifying these voices, do you feel like less of an outsider, like you are trusted more as a white man sharing stories that you understand on the periphery, but gentlemen, you mentioned is right. You don't know what it's like to be a black man in an elevator or anywhere. So do you feel like at first, maybe did you feel out of place being a white man sharing these minority stories? And maybe now, I don't want to say more accepted, but I guess more accepted, more trusted, like they have seen the work that you've done and know that you are doing right by them. Absolutely. The reality is you can't tell stories about a community without being in the community. And point is, it doesn't matter what you are, white, black, gay, straight, Jewish, Catholic, whatever, people will trust you if they see you. And so what do I mean by that? They see my intention. I want to help educate. I want people to understand. And they're more apt to share their story knowing that that's my intention. You know, I think it's less about being an advocate, but more about being an ally and somebody who can share, somebody who can use the power of the microphone to amplify and educate. And that is really the job of a journalist. I agree. And I've seen your reporting over the years. And as we talked about in the first episode we did together, you were the first interview I did after the shooting at my school. And our familial ties aside, you know, I've seen the work that you've done and you are a tremendous reporter. And it says a lot about who you are and your character that you jump in and like embed yourself within a smaller community, within the community in which you live to to share those stories and amplify those voices because the woman who works at the health center wouldn't have her story told otherwise, but clearly she's doing amazing things and needs to have that shared. And your station and the city, they are 
lucky to have you because you are, well, it's true. You're doing the work and you're, you know, you have a long career ahead of you. So lots of, (laughs) (laughs) lots of more stories to tell, which brings me to my next topic. So I know that awards and accolades aren't why you get into news, but I want to talk a little bit about how you and the station, but most specifically you, have been recognized for your coverage and, you know, events surrounding and since TOPS. Yeah, um, you know, it's really weird to be recognized by your peers for something that was so horrific. You know, it's really important for me to keep in the forefront and in the spotlight the people who were shot and killed the 10 people who were shot and killed their families, and the three people who were shot but survived. In covering the mass shooting at a supermarket in an awfully undercovered neighborhood, we won an Emmy Award for our morning show coverage for the Monday after the shooting. I'll never forget standing in that one position with all of the network cameras and the big market cameras that come in for these kinds of things and then take off a couple of days later and never return. Standing there saying there is a hopeful sunrise above the scene of such death and despair. And it was the most beautiful sunrise I've ever seen. And I think seeing that symbolism drives the hope that we have that this community can heal and that this community can move forward. And I don't want to say move on, that it can move forward. Right. There is no moving on. Touching on what you just said, I noticed after everything happened here that all of those reporters in those national, international, you know, news setups, they were gone. And it is the local reporting that's left. And I even, you know, translate that further to what my journalism students did. You know, it's our story to tell. So it's your story to share with everyone and as a journalism teacher, but as also as someone who's been on the other end after a mass shooting, the the local coverage and the local reporting is so, so critical because once the national teams leave, that's what you have. You have the people within your community to tell those stories and not just in the immediate aftermath, as things continue to happen at the one-year mark, the five-year mark, and, you know, so forth. And it's so important, the work that you're doing, because I, not to make this about me, but I'm trying to train and teach the future journalists, but I've also seen it as a survivor. I know the reporters I can trust. I know the reporters I will never grant an interview. I know the stations I won't talk to. I know the newspapers I won't talk to. And it means a lot to have people you know will give honor and substance to your story. And the fact that you not only did that, but are continuing to do that and that you were recognized for your work, which of course, again, is not why anyone gets into any given profession, but to know that, you know, not only does your community appreciate the work you've done, but fellow journalists appreciate the work that you've done is just outstanding. Thank you. And, you know, um, I don't know if you can see it, but behind me, there's a Martin Luther King Award um, that was given to me by the MLK Committee back in January. And that was for my reporting. And it was really um, an honor. I think I was the only white person up on that stage. 
being recognized in this beautiful ceremony of empowerment. And I thought that spoke volumes. And I, I actually wrote like a, an acceptance speech that I never was able to give because it was just not the forum. But I, I, I mean, I'll read it for you if you want. I've actually got it sitting here on my desk. I would love to hear it. Uh, so I said, I started off by saying I want to extend a humble thank you to the committee for this MLK Media Award and for having me here, along with my sister. And at that point, it was my fiance. It's an absolute honor to be recognized in this way, in this community, for this community. May 14th was a Saturday that for me personally was full of excitement. The sun was shining. Summer was in the air. My early morning workout transitioned to working outside. For Pearl Young, it was an early morning prayer breakfast. For Ruth Whitfield, the day started visiting her husband in an assisted living facility. For Celestine Cheney, it was strawberry shortcake that was on the mind. And I'm sure it was the same, if not similar, for the others. Roberta Drury, Marcus Morrison, Andre McNeil, Aaron Salter, Geraldine Talley, Hayward Patterson, Catherine Massey. Thing is, we know how their days and their lives ended. That Sunday morning is when I started to process what happened in our community, a place I love so much, in a place that should otherwise be safe. Russ, my husband, and I bought food and dropped it off at the community fridge. A woman walked up to me, touched my arm, and thanked me for our coverage. The tears, hers and mine. She walked away. I swallowed hard. It was a moment. The magnitude of this racism, this domestic terrorism, the fact that somebody came to our community targeting Black people continued to loom large in my mind. When the worst of humanity hits home, we always say Buffalo is the city of good neighbors. Buffalo is strong. We're Buffalo strong. We're resilient. It's in our, our nature. But for this community, this Black community, many I spoke with felt the city of good neighbors had turned its backs for too long. Mother Mary, a woman I interviewed, as she called herself, told me in the days after the shooting, we got your attention now. So how do we move forward as a community for greater good? How do we become Buffalo stronger and inclusive of everyone? In the months since the shooting, I've learned a few things. Number one, it's important to listen. Open your ears, your eyes, close your mouth, observe. Question not what you're told per se, but what you've been told. Challenge that inner thought, that feeling, that learned belief. I've also learned the importance of exploration and collaboration, the importance of diverse thoughts in the room, allowing for the exchange and free flow of ideas, the lived experience and how perception of one community or another is not always reality. But finally, the importance of getting out of your comfort zone. I've become close with Pam Pritchett since her mother was murdered at Tops. She often says we have to get uncomfortable in our conversations, having those hard discussions at the dinner table, calling out racism when we see it. She says we can't be Buffalo strong until we become Buffalo uncomfortable. But Pam also puts it this way. We're all the same. We all cry the same tears. My tears are clear. Her tears are clear. Put them in a bottle, she says. They're all the same color. We're all human, part of the human race, that as Dr. King says, we should not be judged by the color of our skin, but the content of our character. And so that's become my journalistic mission, making sure that our Buffalo, our Western New York community understands it's not our skin color that matters, that it's what's inside our hearts and who we are at our core, that changes visions and viewpoints and breaks down systemic barriers and connects communities because we have to, we must, for better today, and of writer tomorrow. And that was pretty much my speech that I never got to give. 
That is beautiful. Thank you. And so well written. I mean, clearly it's in the genes. We're both really <laughs> that. Wow. That was outstanding. And thank you for sharing that. I'm glad you read it. And now a larger audience will hear your speech. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow Teachers Unified to End Gun Violence on Instagram and threads at Teachers Unify and follow the podcast on both platforms at Teachers Unify PC.